Welcome and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. Father, we thank you once again for bringing all of us together tonight in this place of yours at your appointed time with this body of believers that you have made us to be a part of. Father, we thank you for uh, this privilege and this blessing. Father, we thank you for the opportunity again to be able to uh, learn from you, from your word, and about your truth, about your will and your ways for us. Father, we ask, Lord, that the Holy Spirit in all of us, Lord God, all your believers, Father, be the one to give us the clarity of your message, to open the eyes of our hearts, Lord God, in order for us to receive the truth that you are telling us. Open the, our minds, Lord God, and give us the wisdom to understand what it is you're telling us. And Father, I ask again that you override my preparations, Lord God, and let you and you alone speak to your people here tonight. And I pray, Father, for those who are lost that still needs to surrender their lives to you, I pray that this will be the evening that they will yield to that nudge that you are giving them by your Holy Spirit. Father, let you be heard, let you be glorified, let you be magnified tonight. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. 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 Uh, so I almost titled tonight's message, It's Not You, It's Me. <laughs> But I said, well, not for my sake, but for yours. Did I? That's what I said. Not for my sake, but yours. We're going to see in this uh, chapter, in these next verses here, we're going to see Paul somehow saying this without saying the exact words. That everything that he wants to do and will be doing for the Corinthian church and that he has told them is for their own good and not even for his. And I want to start tonight's message with this verse if it will move all right Galatians 2 20 usually I use this at the end of the message and Pastor Julius did too but I want to use it to begin I want to begin with it tonight my old self has been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Why am I using this as an introduction tonight? This verse is how we can determine our spiritual maturity. This is, how you, this is when you know you've matured in the faith. If you can actually say that yourself... And your wants and your desires, your old sinful nature comes secondary or to a point it's put to death on the cross for Christ and Christ alone. Amen? This is when you see that you're going to live, the life you're now living is for Him. That's when you know you've reached spiritual maturity. And like I said earlier, as we will see in the next verses, as we've read in the first and second letters of the Corinthian church, Paul has been all about their well-being, their maturity, their growth in the faith. To tell them in love, with love, with the love of Christ, with the love of Christ in him, it overflows through him. He tells them, not thinking about himself, 
but he tells them what not to do or what to do. And all, all the time, that's what Paul has been doing for the Corinthian church. And I pray, I pray that we can all get to this level. That we could say, no longer I, but Christ. The life that we now live is for Him. That really is the goal of every believer. That should be the goal of every believer. It's not what the world tells us. It should no longer be what the world tells us. It should be what God tells us. Because if we realize that we're going to enjoy eternal life, that the person that saved us from the troubles that we got into, and we could get into because of our disobedience, because of Christ doing and saving us, we should be thankful. And out of our gratitude, we will be giving ourselves for Him, our lives for Him. It should be in the reverse order. No longer us, no longer for us, but for Him. That should be the goal of every believer. And we can see here in 13, 3, 4, Paul speaking, I will give you all the proof you want that Christ speaks through me. Christ is not weak when He deals with you. He is powerful among you. Although he was crucified in weakness, he now lives by the power of God. We too are weak, just as Christ was. But when we deal with you, we will be alive with him and will have God's power. Paul, with the love of God flowing through him, and his life being about Christ, overflows with love for the believers in Corinth. His line here saying, I will give you all the proof you want that Christ speaks through me. Because again, just for a review or for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about here is because Paul was being discredited by the false teachers that penetrated the Corinthian church. And they are discrediting his apostleship. Now he's saying that I will give you all the evidence that you want. Not for him, not so he can keep his authority or that he can keep his reputation not because he's watching out for himself it's because for their growth so that they will stop believing these false teachers so they can stop living the lie that these guys are telling them it was all about them he's concerned for them not for him now again if you look at Galatians 2:20 that's what Christ is if we want to live our lives like Christ we should be concerned for others and not for ourselves correct and but more you're going to go over just others you're going to be concerned for God's business you should be all about God's business not your business per se all the time amen the young Christ, the young Jesus when he was found in the temple when he got lost and his parents found him his line was don't you know I'm supposed to be about my father's business? That should be our life's resolved, believers. Amen? Amen. Amen. I like that strong amen. I love that quick amen. Because that should be the that should be the response, correct? Even if you are probably not living it right now, if you're hearing these words and the Holy Spirit is convicting you, this should be, you know that your life, how it should be now. It should be no longer for us, but for Him. Amen? Amen. My wife and my son, has, they've been in the Philippines. If you don't know, they've been in the Philippines for almost three weeks. And my wife is good at sending me everything that she's eating, everything that she's going, you know, the nice things, you know. She's keeping me up to date. 
At the same time, she's trying to see if she can entice me in going. <laughs> no, no. But I tell you, for some odd reason, I do not feel the need to go to the Philippines. I don't know why. Actually, I do know. I know there's work to do here. I know there's work to do here. It, it, there's work to do it. Now, my life should be for Christ now. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live for Him who loved me and gave Himself for me. There's nothing wrong with going home to the Philippines. Please don't get me wrong. There's something wrong if you come back and you have nothing for me. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, there's really nothing wrong you going on vacation. There really isn't anything wrong with that. If it becomes your life's goal, your driving force, if it becomes your purpose, your retirement, your marriage, your children, your vacations, the next big excursion, whenever it becomes, whenever those things become more important than living for Christ, then it becomes wrong. Amen? Amen. Amen. I can share somehow with Paul's sentiments here. Most of the time when there is a brother or sister that questions what I have told them and what the Bible, what God has, is saying about their certain situation, and they don't like what I told them, they question. They question. Did the Bible really say that? Is that what, re is that, what th that verse is really saying? And I plead with them. I plead with them to do their own research. I tell them to pray about it, read about it, go look into it. Not because I want to be right and them and to prove them wrong. It's because I want them to make sure that they are following God's will so that they won't be in trouble. So I could see here, that's why Paul said, I will give you all the proof you want. Paul lived this life for the Lord and through him and with that love, he gave his life for the people, for the people, the believers. He planted so many churches. He lived his life. He wrote many books that we are now studying. His life was all about helping other believers and bringing people to Christ. He did not waste his life for anything else but just for the Lord. Amen? Yeah. And that should be our goal. That should be our goal in life. That we should be giving everything that our brothers and our sisters need in order for them to grow. If we are the ones that God has touched to help someone. Again, I said if it were the ones that God touched. Not because... Again, you need your discerning spirit. You need to be praying about it. You just Because you have money, you can just write the check, right? That's the power of money. It can't be about your sympathy. It has to be God's will when you help someone. But then when God nudges you to help somebody, I don't know how, but so in one way or another, you should be ready to give your all. Because first you're helping God first, before you're helping that person. Amen? 
you know, I, the one mistake, or the one mistake, the one thing that I always um, somehow discuss with believers in our church, and somehow it becomes an argument or a discussion, is about worship on Sundays. Um, people think, some people think that it's, it's not important. That you can worship God in any place at any time, which is true. You can pr praise God and worship Him in your car. Amen? On your way to Oregon or Seattle. That's a long drive, 12 hours. You'll be worshiping God for a long time in that car. But there is an importance in coming together every Sunday. Amen? Amen? There's that fellowship. There's that sacrifice that you are doing for the Lord. I know, then somebody will tell me, well, God said, you know, obedience is better than sacrifice. I'll go, yeah. It's a command to honor, you know, to remember to keep holy the Lord's day. You know, there's, there's, this is one thing that we take for granted. Worship on Sundays, together with other believers, to be encouraged and to be an encouragement to one another, to hear His Word and to study Him and His will and His ways. You know, there's, there's such a great importance and we neglect it. We take it for granted and then we get in trouble. And then we get in trouble. because how? Why? Because God has the megaphone in our trials. Amen? He whispers in our blessings, but He's on the megaphone in our trials. Because that's the only time we hear Him. That's the only time we actually want to hear Him. God always speaks to His believers. Amen? Amen. The question is, are you listening? Sometimes we're not listening. I could be talking here right now and you're thinking about some other thing. Raise your hand if you... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? That's what happens most of the time. On verse 4, Christ was physically weak when He was crucified. On the way to the cross and in the cross. He was physically weak. If you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, just know that if God did not need to die on the cross for your sins, He would have not done it. If there was a way for you to save yourself from the fires of hell, from the consequences of your sins against Him, He would have not done it. My question to you is, if you haven't surrendered your life to Him, the question is why? You think you have a better plan? You have a better way? Or are you thinking that you're not going to die? That you're not going to face judgment? Christ was physically weak. So He felt every blow. He felt every whip. That whip that took skin off his body, he felt every pain, everything, for your sins and mine, not for his. You know, I, I saw this, uh, this uh, quote from R.C. Sprawl today. And if you're active on Facebook, you, or you, if that's all you do, you probably saw it. <laughs> it says, why do bad things happen to good people? That's the statement. R.C. Sproul said, it only really happened once, and that's through Jesus Christ. A bad thing happened to him, because no one is good. No, not even one, the Bible says. Amen? Amen? No one is good. No one is righteous. No, not even one. So, 
to him, to you who are, who's sitting there, and you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, I want to tell you that during that time, he was physically weak. He felt every blow. And this is what Paul is saying. For him and his team, they were, they were also weak. They've been through a lot. Physical pain, and they don't have the strength, basically, to even deal with the Corinthian church again. But because of their love for them, they're going to go. And Paul is confident that God will give them the strength that they need in order for them to be empowered, encouraged, and corrected. Amen? That's what Paul's life was all about. He didn't care about his weakness. He knew Christ was going to empower him to do the work. Our God is alive. And there he says about the resurrection. Now Christ, our Christ, for us believers who surrendered our lives to him, you see this cross, it's empty. It's empty because Jesus, our Jesus, resurrected from the dead. Amen? He was dead. He died on the cross. He was buried for three days, but he resurrected. Our Christ, our God is alive. Amen? Our God is powerful. Amen? Amen. Amen. The question is, why are you living a defeated life? If we believe that our God is alive, that he is powerful, why do we live our lives in a defeated manner against our tests and trials that we face? The challenges that we go through day in and day out. If we believe in an all-knowing God, why then do we question Him when things are not going the way we want it to go? Lord, this is not what I had in mind when I prayed about this, Lord. This wasn't it, Lord. Can you change this outcome? <laughs> when we say he's all-knowing, we know he's wise. But then we question him, especially when he turned the other way. Why do we not trust him when things are not going as planned? Why do we continue to say, I won't, Lord. I won't share the gospel because I can't. I won't change my ways, Lord, because I can't. I'm weak. I told you, Lord, that I'm a quitter. I won't, Lord. I won't obey you, Lord. Why do we say that? If we believe in an all-powerful God, in an all-knowing God, in a God that doesn't make a mistake, why do we keep saying that from time to time? Paul reminds us not by our strength. Philippians 2.13 and Philippians 4.13 somehow says, or not somehow, it does say the same thing. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. It is God, this is 2.13, it is God who works in you, in us, to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Now, he doesn't violate our free will. Once you surrendered your life to Christ, you, you have the free will to obey him or not. He doesn't force you or else you just be a robot. It's your option. But he gives you. He's the one who gives you the power. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is not just a nice shirt to wear, guys. This is not, this is not Steph Curry who said this. Although I know most of you heard about it because of him. But this is Paul saying this. That he can do all things 
Through Christ who strengthens him. This is before, before this verse, he was talking about having little. Him knowing how, how it is to have little and, not to, and how to have much. But he said he doesn't care. Because he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. So we should be the same way, shouldn't we? If we are trying to move, if we are trying to grow in our relationship with Christ, if we are in a deep love relationship with the Lord, shouldn't we be able to say this too? Shouldn't this be our goal? That we can say, I can do this. Because Christ will strengthen me. If we're saying that it is no longer us who lives and it's Christ who lives in us, then we can do it. What is it, believer? What is it that you are holding on to? Or what is your reason why you're not moving forward with the Lord? What is it? Moses, Gideon, the disciples, Paul, and us cannot do anything for the Lord apart from Him. That's John 15.5. If you've taken experiencing God, you've probably memorized it. Well, let me take that back. Not because you've taken experiencing God study doesn't mean you learned anything. Amen? <laughs> Now, because you're sitting in a class doesn't mean you're learning anything, correct? Ask Brother Richard. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So you want to do something for the Lord, or God is telling you to do something for Him, and you're telling me, oh no, I can't. Well, yeah, you can't. You can't. The other thing is, you won't. You won't. But if you are going to obey, and you will do it through Christ who is in you, then you can do it. Most of the time it's, I don't want to, Lord. Ayoko. I don't want to. Wakamakulit, Lord. Don't bug me. Alright? That's how we talk to God. That's how we somehow minimize his nudge or his call. We minimize it to something less important than, some, than everything else. Lord, <laughs> Lord, you say, Lord, I have better things to do. Lord, I got to go to work. I have work, Lord. Lord, that's my only day off. Lord, I don't like that person anyway. Just burn in hell. I don't want to show. <laughs> I don't want to share the gospel to him. He's been rude. He deserves it. Oh, we're not saying that because that's not the Christian thing to say. But us not obeying the nudge of the Holy Spirit saying, Hey, love on this guy. Share my love to him. And you're like, no. <laughs> It has been said that the Christian life is impossible. Do we agree? Amen. Amen. Yes, Pop, it is. Everybody else, it's not impossible for them. <laughs> Only through Christ can we make it through in this impossible Christian life. Because Jesus, He elevated everything for us. You know, the golden rule says, right? Do unto others what others do unto you. 
But then Jesus elevated that by saying, love your enemies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> love, love your enemies doesn't go together until Jesus said it. Amen? Love your enemies. The Old Testament said, if somebody strikes you on your right, you give them your left cheek. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> That's wrong. That's been my biggest argument with the Lord when I first became a Christian. Lord, no. When He strikes me on my right, I give Him my left. <laughs> but then Jesus says, remove that. Remove everything about you. Everything that you've learned from the world. And you have to now live for me. And I say, no, Lord. No, Lord. I know better, Lord. But I believe you. God says, stay in your marriage, no matter how difficult your spouse is. <laughs> and you say, and you say, oh. <laughs> you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. <laughs> right? Jesus tells us these difficult things. Why is it difficult? Because we want to do the other. Right? We want it. We've made up our mind. I'm leaving him. He's stupid. To say the least. Right? I'm done with her. She keeps talking. <laughs> and then she tells me I'm not listening. <laughs> but then Jesus says, Forgive. Jesus says, love your enemies. If you see your spouse as your enemy, well, you're going to have to love them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, he keeps making the same mistake over and over again. Jesus said, forgive. Peter said, if you wanted math, Peter made it clear for us. How many times, Lord? Jesus said, 70 times 7. About the same thing. Now, if you can count, you have a very boring life. <laughs> If you're going to count it. And then Paul, God through Paul talked about love, right? Love never keeps record of wrongs. But that's not our attitude, especially Filipinos. Filipinos are good in holding grudges. <laughs> I still don't like the guy that I had a fight in high school. When I see him on Facebook, no, I'm not going to friend you. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, we're friends now. But all right, we're <laughs> we hold grudges. Not just Filipinos, I'm sure. I'm just making fun of us first. <laughs> but people are good in holding on to grudges, right? Thinking that we're going to kill them because we're bitter. <laughs> we're holding the poison, they're drinking it, and we're thinking, he's going to die anytime soon. Jesus tells us we can do this. We can do all the things that he has told us to do. Through him who strengthens us. If he is in us, and we're doing it for him... We will be able to do it. Amen? Anything. Anything that He has called us to do. Number one, to be obedient to Him. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. So how can we obey His commandments if He is in us? That's the only way. Because His commands are heavy. His commands are, are, are difficult because it's against our human nature. If you haven't figured that out, you probably haven't been listening. Because God always speaks to us. We're just not listening. 
Next point, examine yourselves. Still in Corinthians. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Let me first read this commentary by Dr. David Jeremiah. This passage is often misunderstood as saying that the assurance of salvation is found within. Test yourselves. Looking within will only reveal our depravity and sin or delusion. That we are not depraved and that we are not sinful after all. Assurance that we are in the faith comes from without. Through the word of God. The production of fruit that endures. And a change over time from corruption to righteousness. In this final challenge, Paul did not ask the Corinthians to look within to prove their own salvation. He asked them to find in their salvation a proof of Paul's or his apostleship. If they were truly in the faith, Paul's apostleship was confirmed. If they were not, their judgment could not be believed. Paul trusted that when the Corinthians tested their own faith and discovered it to be genuine, they would discover that Paul had passed the test as well. Basically saying, if you truly are a believer, he's telling the Corinthians, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and the Holy Spirit in you will be the one to confirm my apostleship. That's what he was saying. But then I want us to see the part where examine yourselves. As to whether you are in the faith. I want us to look at this. How many times do we do this? I, told, I shared this before. That whenever I don't study. Which is most of the time. When I was in school. I hated tests. Because I wasn't prepared. I would sit right to the, next, the, the, the guy. Next to the guy who studied. <laughs> then I will start wearing glasses. <laughs> and then I'll be looking at this paper. Because I wasn't ready. But we need to be examining ourselves. We need to be looking into ourselves, asking ourselves. Because we are the first person to be judging ourselves. Are we obeying God or are we not? Right? We're told not to judge others. Amen? But we love to do that. We love doing that. We love to judge others before we actually look at ourselves. Jesus said, why worry about the speck in your neighbor's eyes while you have a plank on yours? But again, I bring us, all the believers, all of us, we should be examining ourselves if we are truly His. Testing or examining ourselves in our line of work is acceptable, correct? Any new business system that our work play, uh, have placed in, we're going to test it first, correct? And that's okay. And it should be the same in our spiritual life. Examining ourselves, if we are in the faith, should also be done. Okay, how am I here? Again, the study of the doctrines, as we brought up. 
If you have no craving, if you have no longing to be with other believers, you should be asking yourself, okay, why don't I want to see other believers? Why am I not wanting to go to church? Why am I not longing to read my Bible? We should be asking ourselves these things. Why do I feel so much hate towards this other believer instead of love? We should be asking these questions. We should be examining ourselves as it is what Paul has challenged the believers in Corinth. Because by examining, by asking God, by meditation and by open heart examination and truly seeking God's will, if you are a believer, the Holy Spirit will tell you. He will answer you. Amen? He will reveal, okay, because you are sinning. You're not making me your priority. That's why you don't want to go there. We have so much hate towards him or her because for you, yourself, you're sinning against me. You're making yourself the Lord of your life, not me. The Holy Spirit will be the one to tell us that. If you're truly asking. But there is a need to examine ourselves. Jesus said, Matthew 7.20, Therefore, by their fruits, let's all read that last part, you will know them. Let's all read it again. Together, therefore, Jesus was quite clear here. Don't you agree? Many scholars argue about seeing fruits from a believer or not. There, that's, there's, there's an argument. Should we be looking for, should we be fruit finding or not? To determine someone's relationship with the Lord. Whether there should be evidence or not. Should there be evidence in a believer? For many years, this has been an argument. Up to now, it's still going on. I've said it before that in my past life, <laughs> in the past, I have justified my sins that were dear to me. To me, the statement that I am saved no matter what I do, I used it as a license to sin. And that's where the error comes in. Salvation is by grace and by grace alone. Amen? The work on the cross is complete and perfect. Amen? Amen? Now, but a believer's mistake is to take that truth and continue to live a sinful life. That's the mistake. Nothing with the grace, nothing with the cross. It's the, the mistake falls to the believer on how he abuses it and he uses it. Amen? I hope I'm clear with that. If not, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get an email from you or a phone call. <laughs> But go ahead and do so, because I'd love to clarify it if I wasn't clear. I basically claimed that I loved myself first before, that myself was the Lord, not the God. I just want Him as my Savior. I didn't want Him as my Lord. I wanted to keep many of the things that I was doing that I knew was against God's will. I spoke to Pastor Julius a couple days ago, not a couple days, maybe three or four. And I, I asked him of a lot of questions, but one thing that uh, him and I really agreed um, with is, is this. 
Pastor Jules, do you think if I obeyed sooner, you think you would have had enough strength to maybe open another church? But because he was here for nine years. We were the longest church that he planted. Because it was three to five before he leaves again. And this is what he said. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> if you would have just not passed it all the time, I would have left sooner than later. He has no more strength. I feel bad about that. Because now he, I, I told him, I asked him, do you miss preaching? And right away he didn't even think about it. He goes, no, not really. And I go, do you, because I was working on asking him to speak on our anniversary in October. I said, can you still travel? And he goes, I'd rather not. Plain, simple. And he doesn't miss preaching. And I feel bad because, because of my disobedience, I'm thinking this, okay? I could not be right, but I'm thinking, this is, these are my thoughts. If I were not selfish at that time, if I wasn't selfish at that time, if I would have just obeyed God sooner than later, there would have been another church that Pastor Jews would have planted, and other group of believers or unbelievers would have been saved. I'm thinking that. But I know God will save those who are His, no matter what. But it doesn't give us an excuse to not do our part. Because I knew that too, that God will save those who are His, no matter what. But it, I used those truths to justify my sinful life. And that's not the right thing. And I, my prayer is, if you're going through the same thing, justifying it, prolonging your call, ignoring that nudge from the Holy Spirit, I'm saying, you're missing a great privilege that God is giving you. Let's look at this. In Ephesians 2, 8, 10. All the believers have memorized 8 and 9. But I think, I think, some of us have missed verse 10. The question here on, on the header is to remain or to change? When we're saved by, by, by the grace of God, are we supposed to remain the same? Or are we supposed to change? It says here, for it is by grace you've been saved, through faith. It is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. If you have not surrendered your life to Christ and thinking that your good works, you're trying to multiply good works to be in heaven, look at this. It is by grace, okay? It is by grace, not by your works. And then look at verse 10, believers. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Us means including you and me. Not just the people or the professional Christians. The guys with the stipend. <laughs> He's getting paid. He should do it. He has the title. He's a deacon. He's an elder. He should do it. She's the women's ministry leader. She should do it. No, it's for us. All of us, if you include yourself here, if you're a believer, you're in the family of God, that's you too. Not just us, but including you. It is very clear for me, in plain English here, as English is my second language, it's still clear. I can still understand it. It's quite clear. There's no argument. The, we are saved by grace, but we have to do good works. 
There's no other way of turning it. If you think there is, you're lying to yourself. Believers, as Paul brought it to light, the light of the Corinthian believers, examining ourselves with the help of the Holy Spirit will give us discernment, will give us wisdom, and will give us the will to desire and the desire to obey God. Obey God to what? To do good works. If you haven't done anything for the Lord, if you haven't been obeying God, you're just losing the blessings that He has lined up for you. If you're continuously living a, a sinful life, knowing that God tells you, don't do that. You're done with that. Enough. And you're going to continue to be permissive with your ways. Punishment will come. It's still on the point. I'm going to park it here, okay? <laughs> You're like, yeah, you've parked for 45 minutes already. <laughs> James 2, 14 to 18. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? This is James. Can that kind of faith save anyone? The next verse, 18. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Amen? Amen. Amen. Some of us, were just Christians by profession. Our mouth. I've heard this line before, that some of us, our tongues are the only ones that are going to make it to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> At least a part of you is there, right? If you can think about it, like, whoa, at least one part of me. <laughs> because that's all we're good at, saying that we are saved by the Lord. But our lives don't reflect it. Our lives don't reflect it. We call ourselves Christians on Sunday, but we live like, you know, hell's angels Monday to Saturday. <laughs> and we wear the vest. MC. <laughs> right? But we have to challenge ourselves, knowing this. Some people have faith, others have good deeds. I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Okay, it says here, can that kind of faith save anyone? If you're living a contradictory life, while people know you're a believer, all the more you're run, people are going to be running away like, I don't want to be like you. That's what a Christian is? I'd rather not be a Christian. Similar to our love for God that produces love for others, faith in God should produce the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Do we agree? I guess not. Yeah, it's okay. Maybe next week. Faith in God should produce the fruits of the Holy Spirit. If we have faith, if we accepted Christ as our Lord, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Every believer has the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Now there is a fruit. Right? There's fruits of the Holy Spirit. So faith in God produces fruits of the Holy Spirit. Can now we say amen? amen. All right. Anything less, anything less is justification or stubbornness and denial of the truth that we are all called to do and to be. And what is that? Jesus said, be holy 
as I am holy. Be holy as I am holy. Still in James. You say you have faith. For you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this. And they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Are you hearing the words of God tonight? If you have been living a permissive way and not been glorifying God with your life, I pray that you are hearing His words. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also is faith is dead without good works. So also is faith is dead without good works. Just in case you didn't hear me the first time. We say amen to this. We tackled this verse before. But then we struggle. Right? We struggle. We struggle when a challenge happens. We struggle. The struggle happens when there's something that we want and God wants. That's when there's a struggle. Do we agree? If everything is going well with you, there's no struggle. There's no struggle. But when there is something that's wrong and you want to approach it differently, that's when the pulling and the tugging happens. The surrendering part to God will not happen unless God is asking something that you have or that you've always kept. And He's saying, give it to me. That's the only time you can surrender. I must say that the examination must start with us first. Only with God's, God's love and for the benefit of the brother and sister can we then point out a mistake or to challenge them to examine themselves or their action with love. Amen? I don't want us going around the, the room later and saying, Hey, so listen, did you hear earlier? Because you haven't been... No. The examination starts with us. And then in... In love, by God's love, if you really have seen a brother or sister falling into sin, you must tell them with love. If you have justified your stagnancy or your lack of life in your relationship with the Lord, it is time to reflect on these words by our Lord through James. Now if you see and find out that the problem to begin with is that you are not in Christ, then that is what you need to do first. You need to have Jesus first. You need to accept Him as your Lord first. Third point, the world is watching. 2 Corinthians 13, 7, Now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong. You see that? Paul is so prayerful. Not so that people will see that we have stood the test, but so that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. Paul and his team constantly prayed for all the believers in all the churches. Just like when Jesus, when he prayed for his disciples and how he continues to pray for us. John 17, 9, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. We have to pray for each other. 
you have to pray for yourself. And then you have, we had to pray for each other. Because the challenge is tremendous. The challenge is great. The world hates us. The world tells us we're boring, we're stupid, what, our stand is wrong, they are right. Take the Bibles out, guns go in, and still we're talking about guns, we're not talking about Bible going in. The funny thing is, they took the Bibles out of school, right? And then the, it's not funny, but the guns went in there and the shootings happened. But then where, guess where the Bible is? By the government. Prison. Prison. So, the only time in this country we can have a Bible in a public setting that's paid by them is when you're in jail. When it's too late for some. God, because that's a second chance for most of them. Right? Amen? Brother Chuck Colson, the late Chuck Colson, was saved in prison. And some other great believers that are still working there. But that's what I'm talking about. That's why we need to be praying for each other. Because the world tells us we're ridiculous. What are you talking about? Pray. Pray? Why do you believe in a God that you can't see? Why do you believe in fantasies? Science proved that there is no God. Wow, you know, we have to be praying for each other because we are in a battle that is supernatural. Things that we can't see. People that are in authority are against our faith. So what do we do? We should be praying for each other. It's like Paul and his team. It's like Jesus. He prayed for his disciples. We should be prayerful. Amen? Again, a Christian that is not a prayerful believer is like a chef that doesn't cook. Get it? Get it? No. All right. Next time. We, we see here also that Paul, again, reminds the believers then at Corinth and us here now that there is a need for prayer. And that the people are watching us. People that are not in the faith are watching us. Actually, baby Christians, the new believers, are also watching the old believers. Not by age. <laughs> we're, just not gonna, we're not talking just Pastor Charles here. We're talking about everybody. If you've been in the faith for a long time, the new believers are watching you. They're saying, okay, how am I supposed... Oh, that's how she handled that. Well, I guess I can keep my old self too. We, either, we can either serve as a stumbling block or a stepping stone to Christ for people. Amen? Amen. We're going to close with this. Hebrews 12.1 Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I know that's easier said than done. If we still have not completely surrendered everything about us, everything about our, our, our sinful nature, it's going to be a struggle. Our timeline for some are quick to be obedient. Some takes a while. But regardless, you need to change. Regardless, you need to obey. Grace, it is by grace and by grace alone. But there is work for us to do. If we still have not completely surrendered everything, our likes, our wants, our dreams, our thoughts, 
our rights to ourselves to the Lord, Galatians 2.20 will be a struggle for you. Until these words become real, I have, I have been crucified. You've been killed. You're dead. Put on the cross and killed with Christ. The other thing, that would, you know, that love relationship with the Lord cannot produce the love and compassion for other believers or the wanting to do the right thing. There's no, you're not going to produce that. We are responsible for our own actions. Whether you like it or not. We either become a stepping stone to Christ or a stumbling block to the unbelievers. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. To love God with our entire being and to love others as we love ourselves. If we love God, we believe Him, we trust Him, and we should obey Him. And then our lives should be about glorifying Him and loving others. We should examine our lives regularly to see if there are sins we need to discard or practices we need to strengthen. Don't make a theater production out of your faith. Don't say, watch me, watch me. Stop the name dropping, right? Watch me, watch me is a call used on the playground, not in God's kingdom. Silence the trumpets. Cancel the parade. Enough with the name dropping. If accolades come, politely defect, deflect them and before you believe them. Slay the desire to be noticed. Stare the desire to serve God. Heed to the counsel of Christ. First cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside of them may be cleansed also. That's in Matthew 23, 26. Focus on the inside and the outside will take care of itself. Amen? Amen? Lay your motives before God daily, hourly. We should be reciting this verse. Psalm 139, 23-24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Do good things for the Lord. Amen? Amen? But just don't do them to be noticed. You can be too good for your own good. That's a reminder too. Because I know we talk about living a holy life. We could somehow be self-righteous and thinking that we've made it and then be judgmental to others. The question is, when you examine your life, this should be your questions when you examine yourself tonight. Are you walking with Jesus? Is how you live reflective of your faith? Ask God to show you anything that needs to be changed. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you 
for your message tonight, Lord God. Father, I realize how hard it is for most of us, Lord God, to just obey you with everything. Especially with the things that we think we're right, Lord God, and you're asking us to do the, other, the opposite. Father, you know better. You know all things, Lord God, and you are powerful, and you love us. Father, help us to trust you if we haven't been trusting you. Help us, Lord, to obey you if we haven't been obeying you. But most of all, Lord God, help us to love you more. If our love for you hasn't been that, to that level that it truly needs to be. Help us, Lord God, to live our lives glorifying of your name. And not shaming it. Help us, Lord God, to live our lives for you, no longer for us. Forgive us for our failures. And Lord, I pray for that person who needs your love. I pray that this will be the evening that they will surrender and yield to you. I pray for healing for those who are sick. And I pray for restoration for those who have broken relationships, Lord God. Father, may you bless all your people here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's the end of today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life. <laughs>